is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Tyler Mount, and we talk about it all, from producing to getting better at asking to his life journey and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tyler Mount. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Tyler Mount. Tyler, thank you for joining me today. You are so welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I, of course. I mean, I don't want to miscount the uh, the countdown, but we're getting very close to Broadway coming back, which is very exciting. Um, how have you been holding up during this pandemic? <laughs> Much like everyone um, else. Look, look, I mean, it has been an interesting time, hasn't it, of, of change and recalculation and reevaluating priorities and... Um, I have had a, a fantastic time, and and honestly, the lack of Broadway has just reinvigorated my love of Broadway, and frankly, my, my need to have it in my life and all of our lives. So wow. it, it actually was a weird, strange blessing in disguise, um, but it has been wildly devastating for so many people, yeah. um, and that's something we don't want to forget. No, of course not. And I'm so excited to jump into this conversation with you. Uh, we're going to talk stage managing, producing, Tyler Mount Ventures. The vlog is coming mm -hmm. back. I just saw that. But I do yes. want to take it back to the beginning of time for Tyler. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? I mean, growing up in small town Texas, I was like, okay, I have to, have to, have to be a part of the Broadway community. Yeah. Like that was my only goal. I wish I had like some like lofty goal, but it was to be a part of the community. Yeah. Um, and, and how was how was I supposed to be a part of the community? Well, there's only one way to be a part of the Broadway community when you're, you know, you're, I don't know, 11 years old and you have one really clear idea of what Broadway is and it's to be an actor, right? So oh. um, acting and performing was my passion for, for the longest time. Um, and ultimately when I moved to the city, I realized that wasn't my passion. And, um, I realized that I could be just as involved, if not more involved in an authentic way, um, while really getting to know the Broadway community and, you know, slowly, slowly immersing myself in it and ultimately becoming a member of that community. Uh, oh, this is going to be a really good, this is going to be a really good conversation. Cause I want to talk about adapting life path changes, achievements, all of it, but, uh, your parents, yeah. What did they teach you about work ethic? Oh, that's a good question. No, my dad has always been a really, really dedicated, hard, hard, hard worker and, and has, you know, shown me and told me from a young age, you have to work really hard for, for what you want. Mm -hmm. um, and that was instilled in me from a very young age. I was very lucky to have fantastically supportive parents. Um, and, and that energy and that, you know, that drive was in me for as long as I can remember and carried through high school and college to today. How about, um, what's well, a similar question, but what did they teach you about work, uh, work ethic? What did they teach you about kindness? Oh, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I remember growing up in super small town, Texas, where, you know, um, sometimes people would be ostracized for not looking the same, um, for not acting the same. Um, and my parents always, always, always stressed this idea of leading with love mm. and, and making sure that I knew from a young age that there was no one that was above me and there was no one that was below me. 
We were all human and we were to treat everyone with kindness. And that was something that really, really, you know, permeated my household and, and still affects me today. My entire like company and platform and career is, you know, based on this idea of giving and spreading love. Um, mm -hmm. And I am not perfect, but I try my very best to, to leave that as, you know, my, my, you know, digital footprint. Now, uh, it, as far as stage managing goes, I'm curious if you can walk us through uh, how that came about for you in New York. Well, it's uh, a wildly like random story, but when I was in when I was in college, I was I was acting and I was also stage managing. I really in love I really love both for very different reasons. Um, and I, when I moved to the city, like so many people, was like desperately trying to find a job. I was um, I was hosting, excuse me, um, um, just like so many people who, you know, moved to the city, I was just desperately trying to find a job. I was, I was hosting at restaurants, I was waiting tables, but obviously that's not, you know, that's not why I was there. I, I was there, frankly, to, you know, to be a part of this Broadway community we just referenced. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started applying for any and all jobs uh, that had to do with the arts, period. No questions asked. Um, and one of those jobs that I got called in for an interview with was the executive assistant position for Daryl Roth, who is a very, you know, noted and, you know, esteemed, um, producer here in the city. And, and she made it very clear that I wasn't right for that role, but I was right for a role in, in one of her productions. So she got me my first job out of college in the Broadway community, in the theater community, being the production assistant to the production supervisor for an off-Broadway company, okay? Like, you could not have chosen, a, you could not have chosen a role that was worse for me in the sense of, like, <laughs> production supervision. Like, no. Like, I'm, I, my job was literally to show up and buy bagels for the crew and to go to Home Depot and price lumber. Like, the antithesis of who I am. <laughs> so, so ultimately I was like, as is everything in my life, or at least how I tried to live my life is I was like, I am showing up and I'm going to have a good attitude. Mm. And, and that's what I did. The production supervisor ultimately, you know, told Daryl from what I understand that I was a great production assistant and he would recommend me for future work. And then she started getting me interviews at Broadway houses, um, you know, and then the rest is kind of history. I got introduced to the right person at the right time. Um, and that's where I started my stage management career and production assistant career on Broadway. I think these early days in New York, you know, before things start to hit off and a stride begins is very critical for everyone because some people give up, some people change. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. I'm just curious for your life path. What was your self-talk? At the beginning days mm. of being in the city, how'd you keep yourself moving forward? What were you oh. thinking? Oh God, um, <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't. I would say I wasn't wildly kind to myself. I was so anxious. I was like having panic attacks. I was like, I hate walking through the snow at four in the morning, even though I'm a even though I'm a member of Equity, <laughs> to stand outside in the snow to wait for an audition slot to then go home to then go sing for three minutes while a casting director eats a salad and you feel terrible about your audition. Um, it, it, 
it was just not healthy for me. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing was me desperately trying to justify um, staying in that portion of the industry. Um, and the only reason I stayed for so long auditioning um, outside of my comfort was because I was so stubborn and because I was so steadfast on this quote unquote goal, right? I'm an achiever. I'm a person who sets out to do something and I do it. Mm -hmm. So the idea that I would be quote unquote giving up on my dream was a massive roadblock for me, but it wasn't until my, um, my idol and my spirit animal Oprah Winfrey said something to the fact of, um, dreams can change. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that's her thought. I don't know if she stole it from someone, but I'm going to credit it to her. <laughs> um, that really kind of changed my viewpoint on it. Like I relentlessly pursued my dream while it was my dream. And now that portion of my life is not something I want to do mm -hmm. um, because of the way it made me feel. Now I've been now jumping ahead. I've been able to achieve all of those dreams at the age of, you know, 30, 31, um, that I wanted to achieve by the time I died, having never acted. So I, I think that's a really interesting testament to how dreams can change, and that's okay. That's fantastic. Do you remember the specific moment? If you don't, if you don't mind me diving deeper here, the specific, no, the specific moment where you said, you know, forget it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is. I'm pushing a square peg through a round hole. I need to switch this up. Yep, it was my. Um, and I'm not speaking in hyperbole here. It was my 32nd, 32nd callback for Book of Mormon. Okay. Yeah, I just like they were the casting team was so lovely to me. Um, and they were just, they were so lovely. And they, you know, from what I understand, not being in the room, mm. um, you know, they tried to find a spot for me. They tried to find a spot on Broadway. They tried to find a spot on national tour. I just kept getting called in and called in mm. and I would get to the final rounds or, you know, close to the final rounds. And then they would pick someone else that better fits that mold, which makes a hundred percent sense. Mm. Um, and it was like, what am I doing here? I am driving myself crazy yeah. and my self-worth is hinging on someone calling me and telling me you're going to Broadway. Um, mm. and, and that was when I realized like, Oh, my self-worth doesn't hinge on that. But most importantly, I don't need anyone's permission to create. Amen. Now, was that the moment you decided to apply for all other jobs in entertainment or no, had you already been applying no. to, yeah. I had already been applying. I was already okay. production assisting when I was going in for these roles. So, um, it, you know, I was working in parallel. I'm not, I'm not a, you know, single track kind of guy. I'm the person who's like, I'm going to do 50 things at once. That is just innately who I am. Come on. Amen to that. Now, did you have, or do you have mentors and are there any standout lessons or moments that come to Oh mind? my God. Yeah. I mean, my career and where I am today is just a testament and, a uh, you know, a cacophony of all of my mentors who have mentored me through, uh, you know, through my entire life. And I could sit here and I often think about it, like how I'm so thankful for person X, Y, and Z, because without them, even if what they did was seemingly inconsequential, um, what a profound effect that had on my career. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
you know, it was, I could, I mean, like I could talk about this all day. It was my, you know, second grade teacher who was the first person to be like, oh no, 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 you're going to make it. You're going to make it big and you're not going to stay in small town, Texas. It's my, you know, high school theater director who instilled a passion for um, theater in me. It's my college professors um, who always, always, always emboldened me and, and told me anything was possible and that I had a great work ethic and that I could, if anyone could uh, achieve um, my, my dreams in the city. It's, you know, Daryl Roth, who, mm. who gave me that first opportunity. Um, and funny enough, I've met her three times in my life, right? Mm. Um, it's the, um, you know, it's the people who took a chance on the vlog before it was a thing. It, it was mm. Gloria Estefan, who is, you know, a dear friend and um, a mentor of mine because it was her her taking 30 minutes out of her schedule to shoot my first episode of the vlog that consequently changed my entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, you know, Mark Piker that, um, the former editor in chief at Playbill offering me a role, um, at, at Playbill to do my series. It's Hunter Arnold, who is a wildly accomplished producer and his associate Kayla Greenspan, who saw something in my ability to produce, commercially on Broadway um, and gave me my first show, hey, uh, my first show, Once on this Island, that mm -hmm. ch changed and propelled my career unlike I could have ever imagined. It's, you know, it's it's everyone in my life who has gotten me to today. It's not just one single mentor that, that you know, that is responsible for me sitting here talking to you today. I love it. I absolutely love it. The, with Gloria, and I also love that you just kind of laid out my next like four questions that you named the people. Uh, Gloria yeah. Estefan, what was that specific conversation? You asking her, well, her offering you, what was that? How did that come? Oh, through? I mean, let me tell you, I, again, through random coincidence was mm. at the right place at the right time. I got offered a production assistant role on, on your feet. Um, first the lab, followed by the Chicago out of town trial, followed by the Broadway production. Hmm. Um, and trust me when I say it was the most thrilling, incredible experience of my life. Um, and my specific role in the company was, you know, was tenfold, but, um, one of those things was to get Gloria in and out of the theater each night and to get her in and out of the house each night during each act. Okay. Hmm. Um, you know, that's one of the 50 things I did in the production. Mm. Um, and so every single day, uh, you know, her assistant would be like, we're three minutes out. I meet them at the stage door. I'd escort them to their dressing room. We'd hang out in the dressing room together. Um, I then walked them to the house when the stage management team was like, okay, the house is clear. We're ready. As you can imagine, when you have the global icon, the single most, um, successful Latin crossover artists in the history of pop music enter the house. Um, the first time we did it, not thinking anything of it before we had, um, you know, um, before we had a formalized process, we didn't think anything of it. I just walked her in. We're talking about, we had to hold the house people literally leaning over the balcony and the mezzanine people standing up screaming, running down the aisles. Yeah. We realized that I had to, you know, I had to, this is just a fun part of my job, but you know, yeah. we had to, we had to hold Gloria back. And then whenever stage management called the house lights to half, I would run in with her, seat her, and then they would start the show. Mm. Um, and so I say all of that to be like, 
I became very, very close to Gloria because out of everyone in the production, ironically, she probably spent outside of Jerry Mitchell, she probably spent the most time with me, right? Mm, we just yeah. like hung out all day. Um, so whenever we were doing the Broadway production, um, before we did the Broadway production, there was a three month layoff, which was you know very common as we moved the stuff from Chicago to Broadway, et cetera. She um, was doing a concert at the Mean Scoff and um, I'm stage managing it for her. Um, and she, I go into her dressing room and I'm like, Hey Gloria, um, I have the dancers on stage. Are you ready to go? And you know, and then we'll start the show. Right. So she's like, yeah. yes, but I, I hear you have a vlog. And I was like, yeah, we're like walking to the stage. Um, and she was like, can I come on it? And I was like, you must be joking. Of course. Right. And she followed up. I'm talking about, I scheduled with her team, her team literally showed up and her and Emilio came and shot the show. Um, and that propelled me into what the Tyler Mount vlog is um, today. I, I love that story. The, with the vlog particularly, um, you get better. You just get better at communicating. And I'm curious, mm. have you, do you have any standout lessons in terms of communication from the vlog or just from, you know, life path thus far? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, what I've learned is as a host, right? Um, it's a half of my job is to prompt and to be witty and, and funny and blah, 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 all of those things. But <laughs> yeah. I've learned the most important part of a host is listening, right? Listening and actively and appropriately responding. And I think that's what's really, really, really key here. Um, and I've continued to get better and better and better. And my ability to react quickly is better. My ability to respond quickly is better. And you ultimately get a better finished product the, the more you, you do that. And ultimately, um, becoming a better communicator just sets you up for success in all areas of your life. Yeah, no, it does. Um, now, switching gears real quick. Thanks for hopping around. Uh, Hunter Arnold, yeah. how did that relationship begin and what did that look like? I mean, Hunter Arnold is uh, a dear friend, a mentor, and I, I would say um, him and his associate, Kayla Greenspan, are, are single-handedly responsible for the beginning of my career as a producer. Hmm. Um, I would say that started because I had an outlet, because I was well-known in the community because of my blog, and that consequently makes your job as a producer a little easier, right? Yeah. Um, I also am a young gay male in, in New York City and able to like be a whippersnapper and, and sell a show that I'm passionate about. So yeah. they emailed me and said, hey, Tyler, in so many words, like we, we love your work. We love what you're doing. Would you be interested in producing? And I said, um, uh, I can't produce. I've, I've never done that. I have no idea. Like I don't even, I don't even know what produce press mm. other than like, you win the Tony, right? <laughs> um, you like you produce one thing and you accidentally win the Tony. So um, he, they were like, no, 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 no. That's the entire point. We want to start changing the narrative of who's producing on Broadway, right? We want to change the foundational aspects of the theater community, um, and we need to do that by enlisting young people, people who identify as LGBTQ, um, women, and people of color, and and, and we do that by changing the narrative at the foundational level. 
Mm-hmm. So I was one of the many people they invited to start producing with them who who fit into you know one of those you know we would say like at-risk categories or you know um you know inclusive categories um and they taught me everything that i know today and and they offered me my first role which was um once on this island so the rest is history yeah I'll say it's right behind you. The um, asking, because you can't get, I mean, you can't get to where you are without other humans. People are your best resource. Right. And I'm curious Uh, how you've gotten better at asking. Let me tell you, are you asking about asking in question, like in general for help? Are you asking about asking for money for Broadway shows? Because both are very similar. I want to talk about both. Okay. (laughs) You pick. So I, from a young age, have been... 100% 100% shameless. Okay. I have social tact to some degree, right? Yeah. I, I know when it's appropriate and not appropriate, but if I need help doing something, I have zero shame asking anyone on earth for help. Okay. Mm. Um, it is a, um, it is a fantastic and also, um, often perceived, you know, not fantastic quality, but it's like, if, you know, uh, if in, I don't know, if in a year you were directing a show on Broadway and I wanted to produce it, I would call you and I would say, hey, I, I really love your project. Would you let me do this with you? Why? Mm-hmm. Not because I think I'm special, but because if I don't ask, no one knows the value I bring. If I don't ask, nobody knows my interests, right? right. So I will always, always, always advocate for myself. I have to be my own manager. I have to be my own talent agent. I have to be my own, you know, uh, my own cheerleader. And so I have zero problem asking to be in the room. I want to be in. as far as yeah. asking for money for Broadway shows. It, it's very, it's very similar. It's look, I, I, I raised for shows through again, spreading love, being authentic, kind, but most important being wildly honest and wildly ethical. There are so many people in this industry, especially on the producer side, that are just awful human beings. I will say it. You can quote me in the New York Times. I'm not going to name names, but there are many people in the industry who are awful human beings. And that is what Hunter Arnold and the likes are trying to change. Um, And so I'm always upfront about the risk of producing on Broadway. Mm -hmm. I, I feel as if my honesty will only get me further than coercing someone to invest in a show they probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately I am selling one of three things. I'm selling someone who already knows me, who wants to support me, mm-hmm. which is very, very rare. Right. Mm-hmm. When I say rare, I mean, sure. There are tons of people in my life who want to support me and have and continue to, but not from a financial perspective. Right. right. That's typically not your number one investor. Sure. You have, I'm either selling a financial investor, meaning someone who is, numbers oriented they don't care about the fluff they just want to know what is my possibility of recoupment if i recoup what does that look like how do i get my money back tell me about the tax forms right (laughs) and then finally the most the i would say the largest group of people that i that i pitch to are people who want experience right people with i would say you know um disposable incomes to some degree that are like i could i could donate this to a nonprofit arts arts program, which is just as valid, but mm-hmm. I could also invest and know that there's a possibility I won't see this money again. 
look at it as a technical, although not legal donation, right? right. It's a capital investment sure. and get, get an experience out of it. I'm taking you to opening night. We're walking the red carpet. I'm taking you to the after party. You're meeting Audra McDonald. You're going to the Tonys with me if we're nominated. It's right. that type of experience that people really crave and love to be a part of, um, especially people who don't live in New York City. So mm -hmm. those are the three major people I'm pitching to, and, and that's, how, that's how I do it. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.